Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to the show. Welcome to Jorgonaria Live. All right, we are awaiting our guest caller. Sometimes that happens. It doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does. All right, I'm Kathy Clotes Guest, the founder of Keeping It Human, coming to you live from San Jose, uh, in the heart of Silicon Valley, where it is gorgeous. It is beautiful. It's starting to feel a little bit like early summer, and I'm thinking about all the people who have. Don't have great weather, um, especially my friends out in Texas who've been uh, adversely affected by the flood. So I'm with you in spirit. Our show airs most Thursdays at 3.30 p.m. Pacific, and we help business and marketing executives and their teams humanize what they do by telling their most important company, product, and customer stories to the world. So I'm a storyteller. Storytelling is is my thing, uh, and this podcast is all about making marketing more human, fun, and effective. We are a jargon monoxide poisoning-free zone, um, so leave a comment on the blog, and uh, after the show, let me know more of what you want, what you'd like to see different. I love getting your emails. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, Kathy at keepingithuman.com. Now, today we had a guest uh, caller. We had a guest, um, Annette Simmons. She has not called in yet, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dance for a little bit, and sometimes that happens. Good thing I'm an improviser. Um, if we are not able to get a hold of her and successfully have that, I'll just talk about storytelling, and we'll rebook her. So uh, great stories win marketplaces, and I've said it before. I've written about it before. I'm really passionate about this topic. I think business storytelling is the most critical skill for companies, teams, and entrepreneurs. It's a business skill. It's a leadership skill. It really is a fundamental marketplace skill. And I personally ask myself a lot, are we telling the right stories? Well, how do we know? Are we too superficial? Um, I personally would like to see companies get a little deeper um, when they do these things. Um, I sometimes think we do tell very superficial stories. So we will ask. Uh, we have Annette on the line, I think, and we'll bring her on the line in just a second. But let me give you a little bit about her bio before we do that. Uh, for two decades, Annette uh, has inspired audiences to find and tell powerful stories that spread new ideas, build collaboration, and facilitate innovation. She's the author of The Story Factor. Chosen as one of the best 100 business books of all time by 1-800-CEO-READ. And whoever tells the best story wins, which is now in its second edition, just released this month. So I believe she's on the line, so let me see if we can get her and get this technology working for everybody. I'm here. Can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? (laughs) I can. You have a great radio voice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I just have fun. So it's it's yeah, kind of a conversational it's, it's medium. Cheerful and bright. I'm sitting up straighter now. <laughs> oh well good. Well I'm I'm excited to have you on. Um as I as I was kind of um winding up to to you calling in. Um this storytelling uh, you and I are both storytellers and you are a storyteller's storyteller. And you've been doing this for a long time. You've seen a lot of the changes. And I'm so excited to talk to you again um, because I think we've seen in the last few years 
we've certainly seen a lot of media buzz and kind of a second renaissance, if you will, of, of storytelling. Um, why do you think that is, Annette? I think that our communications were being driven by analysis and uh, the sort of objective decision-making that misses some of the more subjective emotional reasoning that doesn't translate so well to things that can be measured. Um, it's kind of like a lot of our communication turned into that awful wire monkey mother, you know, where the little monkeys, uh, <laughs> they get the they get the, the bottle, but it's like it, there's just no, you know, nobody there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so people want a, a, a human and humane experience, and storytelling brings that back to communication. Yeah, no, it sure does. I, you know, I've I've joked um, on the show before with with other guests that, you know, I, I so I'm in the heart of Silicon Valley and I, and and right in in the bedrock of technology. And I think sometimes we get a little bit so in our left brain. And I was talking to to uh, an executive not too long ago, and and they were so steeped in the the data points about what culture was about and and I said so what does your gut tell you what's the story that your people are telling and he really couldn't tell me all he could tell me was what the survey the employee survey said and I said right. put the survey aside what stories are your employees telling about your workplace and he could not it just I could see the disconnect between that that right brain and left brain because you know we're so wired sometimes in technology that we forget that it's just about the anecdotal stories that are being told. And the worst part is that we can't do both at the same time. It's a perceptual shift. It's it's you put on two different thinking caps. You have your objective thinking cap and then your sensory story thinking, which I call subjective thinking cap. And and you make decisions in different ways about those two different things. I use that diagram with the two faces and the vase, you know, mm-hmm. that optical illusion. You can't see both at the same time. And if you try, everything just gets fuzzy. So I teach people to, you know, that the, the objective thinking and all of that sort of stuff is really, really important. And... And um, if you want to do the subjective thing and see the emotions and the emotional reasoning, then you have to flip the way you look at things. And for some reason, that kind of gives them permission to think differently, to pay attention differently, all of those things that make a good storyteller. Yeah, so true. What what do you think think companies and, and entrepreneurs are getting right with storytelling, because there's been so much emphasis recently in the media about being a better storyteller, what are you seeing that you go, finally? <laughs> I think, um, you know, I really liked uh, Jim Signorelli's book, uh, Story Branding, and, and it, it reflects some of the things that I'm seeing is that story is a, a strategy about how you want to be and who you want to be as much as it is a strategy of telling people how you are and who you are. And so story, I learned that when I started working on story, story started working on me. And so there's (laughs) a, you know, and I'm sure you experienced the same thing. There's a point at which where you're telling a story and the more involved you get, it's like, is that really true though? And so it creates, self-examination and self-reflection, 
which is a great way to hold integrity to the values and and the story that you want to tell with your entrepreneurial uh, investment. Mm-hmm. Well said. I, I like the way you phrase that because it, it's so, stories can be so transformational. And and if you're if you're telling a story but you're not living it, that disconnect comes to light. And I think stories can be really powerful that way. Um, to your point, you know, I, it, I I think the more we do tell stories, we should be changed by them, and that that is a good thing. Well, when you when you're if you want listeners to open up, probably the best way, and you're an entertainer as well. Um, but it's a, there's a reciprocity between your behavior and their behavior. And if you open up and allow yourself to be vulnerable, they open up and allow themselves to be vulnerable. And that's the way you influence people is mm-hmm. um, you, you, you hook up at that, you know, saying, okay, I'll go first if you'll go. Um, right. And, and good storytellers and good entertainers um, are – are not protecting themselves when they're out on stage and 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 telling a story. They're actually giving of themselves, which is a completely yeah. different approach. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I I I had this discussion the other day with with somebody, and it it still strikes me that and this is such a great movement for businesses. However, it still strikes me that we're trapped in this storytelling that is really um, marginal and superficial, and it feels like a lot of the stories are. You know, we just haven't scratched the surface because companies still don't get vulnerable. They still don't talk about the the screw ups, the failure stories, the time you blew it, like you you write about in your book. Um, they there's still this, I think, mask in the way that a lot of, especially business storytelling, is done. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, in direct uh, reflection of what you're saying, the book I wrote before the Story Factor was actually a book called A Safe Place for Dangerous Truth. Mm. And I've been naive my whole life thinking, if we just told the truth, then everybody could get along. And <laughs> I went into the behavioral sciences. And, you know, uh, yeah, it's embarrassing. And so I designed this process that would get people to actually tell the truth in the meeting instead of after the meeting when they go into the bathroom and check for feet and then they tell the truth. You know, that's the biggest bunch of crap I've ever heard or whatever. (laughs) It's like, say the truth in the room. And that's when I discovered storytelling because the the best facilitation tool I had were stories that modeled, um, you know, telling the truth and also being able to hear the truth without being defensive. And it ended up to where I actually had to train people for half a day so that they could have a a two-and-a-half-hour dialogue in the afternoon. Of course, it was worthwhile because it probably saved years of, of, you know, uh, tiptoeing around the issues. But that's when I first discovered storytelling, and I had a chapter on storytelling in that book. Really Which didn't do very well, by the way. Well, people weren't ready to hear the truth. And my friend, you were not naive, you were an idealist. That's, that's <laughs> you know, and, and I'm with you because so much of comedy, when I'm doing comedy, comedy really, the, the kernel of, of comedy is the truth. And, 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 and yeah. the truth the truth is got to be told. And I think one of the things that strikes me about corporate narrative, especially when we're talking about these stories, is 
how much of it is the narrative people just keep telling themselves versus are we really telling the right narrative that's really honest? And when we do screw up, are we really owning it or are we clinging to a narrative that no longer serves us? Just as as people cling to narratives, and we all do, um, are, I think sometimes companies cling to narratives um, that that may just not really reflect who they are. That's, you know... Um I'm I'm kind of bullheaded, and so I could be teaching probably more storytelling, but I, I insist that when I teach storytelling, we always start with the the person with a personal story, who you are and why you're here, and so because I want people to be the subject of the story at the same time they're the teller of the story, I want them to get that whole thing about is this really true? I want them to feel how personal. Um, a story needs to be in order for it to have uh, the impact of making other people have a personal response to it. And so um, it shows up immediately if someone uh, is having trouble telling their personal who I am, why I'm here story. It shows up and and they begin to get that, you know, the story needs to be true or it's not going to work. And I think Mm -hmm. that if you go straight to the brand story, then that kind of mask and the fantasy is 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 there from the beginning. Like we can be who we say we are, um, and yeah, that's the ticket. We're uh, you know all about excellence. <laughs> <Right>. or, <laughs> extra so. points for doing John Lovett. So extra points, and uh, you, you you know, um, as if I couldn't like you anymore. Um, well, I, I think that's such a great point because I, I find a lot of brand storytelling I really applaud the effort but I see a lot of it and it feels very shallow to me and it feels like and, and in some companies it really is sincere and I think there are companies that do it well you know I think of like Tom Shoes and I think of you know uh, even Chipotle has gotten better I think you know there are companies out there that have done it but I, I think a lot of brand storytelling why it, it doesn't work for so many consumers is that it just lacks? I think it just lacks an authenticity about it. And yeah, there's um, there's the part- a lack of integrity in the process. Yeah, yeah. So how do how do we fix that? How do company storytellers, if we're if we're businesses and entrepreneurs, how can people really dig deep to that vulnerable place and get to that kernel of truth and say, all right, how do you know you've gotten there? How do you know that? You've peeled the onion to a place that's really that's pretty raw and and you know as Stephen Colbert used to say, truthiness contained a lot of truthiness. Yeah, yeah. the um, uh, peeling the onion is is uh, it's it's the same way you become a chef. Is you have, you practice and you follow the 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 process in in the in the way that it works. And most of our decisions, uh, you know, in the last. 50 years have been based on objective decision making and uh this these assumptions that are that are we're completely blind to. One of the assumptions is a, a you know idea that 1 plus 1 equals 2. Well it does when it's numbers, but when you're talking people or stories, you know 1 plus 1 can equal uh HP, you know, out of a garage or 1 plus 1 can equal Enron that went down the toilet. It's uh, we have to pay attention in a different way, and the idea that we train ourselves to see that tiny things can make a huge difference, and huge things can make a tiny difference. We begin to approach storytelling in a different way 
so that I think that gets us a little more authentic. And I think that uh, one of the things that we have to do is we have to increase our tolerance for failure because uh, you, you're you just not going to hit it 100% of the time. And if you think you're going to find a process that hits it 100% of the time, you're going to find a process that lies to you um, in a way that also diminishes the authenticity uh, of storytelling. If you understand that, that the variability of everybody's emotions at any one point in time and the variability of your emotions or creativity at any time, it combines to create variable outcomes that, you know, maybe maybe you're going to hit it about 70 to 80% of the time. Yeah. It enlarges the catchment area, if you will, for stories to the, to the point where you end up with some really good stories that if you thought you could do A, B, C, D equals E, you just never would tell. And so for yeah. me, it's the process. Hmm. Yeah. No, and I and I think it also strikes me that it's it's the process is also the um uh the reason you're doing it. So what's the reason? You know, yeah. I think so yeah. so often I see so much branded storytelling that's oh, we have to do corporate responsibility. So they do these kind of stories about oh, the community and the environment. But there's la- there's a there's a lack of of connection with how they operate internally. There's a lack of connection to the other parts of the business where it just doesn't fit. And I think you know people see those disconnects. It's very obvious. And so I think the reason you're doing it has to really be yeah. motivated yeah. by something bigger. Yeah. People smell that. You know, we all sniff that out. I worked for J. Walter Thompson. And I remember, you know, just feeling like um, I, I'm not, I'm not getting into, you know, getting by, people to buy cars they don't actually need. Um, and so the reason why uh, caused me to change my career. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I can see that. I mean, pa- stories are powerful, and then without the authenticity factor, um, you know, you've just diminished it. And it's such a, it, but, which is why I think stories that are so, they're so rare. I think in the business world, where you see something, it fits, it's authentic, it's real, and it's moving. And I, I, I think that's why I struggle when people kind of ask me sometimes. And of course, I'm going to ask you. It's like, do you think of examples out there where you go, wow, that business has really done it in a really amazing way because it's not easy to do, especially when you're a big corporate entity. Um, anything that blew you away in the in any businesses yeah, doing I anything think, interesting? Yeah. Um, well, it's been, it's been instructional uh, to study Coke. Let's just. Um, you know, I I think people underestimate the amount of time that's involved in finding and refining a story, um, and they, they underestimate the process. And one of the things that Coke has gotten right, and they have a video, uh, maybe it was 2012, their new strategy, Liquid Content, that mimics a decision process that has also turned up in UX experience design or design uh, process. And it is that uh, that you have to test it to see if it works. When we make decisions in an objective way where we, we think that we can get it perfect and then we figure out what the launch is. But Basically, you have to just guess and test, guess and test, until you come up with something that everybody's attracted to, um, the you know, holy grail of something that goes viral, and you yeah. will not be able to explain why, but it just works because it works. And one of the things Coca-Cola did was they, they shifted their marketing budget 
away from those things that traditionally we've used to try to like get it right. So some of the, you know, eye movement tracking and and some of the uh, focus group work, which is a an, an unrealistic sort of situation, uh, has taken a back seat to just gathering as many stories as they can and testing them, usually in, in social media, to see which ones stick. Yeah. The same the same thing with uh, uh, user experience design. It's like iterate re- relentlessly. It's yeah. it's not about you know you're going to be able to um, have. I mean, um, Steve Jobs hated focus groups because <laughs> that's not where the imagination happens. Yeah, yeah, it, it's true. It, no, and that's a really great point. It strikes me too that the companies, and I think you know this is sort of a lot of what Jim Signorelli had had talked about too, and and you know some other folks in their in their different books. Um, this concept of really, to me, when you when you know your bigger purpose and you've really refined that story, it makes the process of finding these other stories that support that easier. And I think right. where a lot you of have companies to your struggle, yeah, you have to lay the groundwork. And where where I think, it, at least what I see, is a lot of companies struggle with these tactical stories because they've never really laid the proper groundwork on their core purpose story, and they struggle. And it's not a shock to me that they struggle. But I'm really stunned that a lot of companies still ignore that most fundamental thing, which is the building block of their whole entire strategic story house. They just don't know who they are. And I'm I'm struck by that. Do you see that a lot? Well, it reminds me of the scene from Pretty Woman when he asks her what her name is, and she says, "What do you want it to be, baby?" <laughs> you know, it's um, if 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 yeah. that's where you're coming from. Uh, but but on the, the same token, you know, one of my favorite storytelling uh, strategies has, was the Old Spice guy. Oh, I thought he yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> I just loved it. And yes. and it's it's not you know to a certain extent you think well that's not who Gillette is that's not who the, the guys at Old Spice are but yeah it is because they're the ones who gave this agency the go ahead to do whatever you know yeah. and so in a way that is their uh, story which is you know we're willing to try uh, all sorts of crazy things you know to get your attention mm-hmm. which is charming um, it's uh, when you do it. Uh, because you simply, when you do it because you want to play, you know, like you're inviting your consumers out to play, I think that um, it's different than when you do it when you want to manipulate. It's just not going to be that charming. Yeah, no doubt about it. And it does feel a little bit that there there is that manipulation factor out there, and we know it as as consumers when we feel it, see it, hear it. And it does feel like I think I love that we're headed towards this renaissance of storytelling. I think I'd love it more when we get to the layer where the, the corporate masks come off. And, and, you know, we're seeing that with some companies. We're not seeing it across the board. Um, and I think that's where I, I've seen a lot of startups really shine because they don't have the legacy and they don't have the baggage. They don't have the brand baggage. And they have a chance to build something really different um, from the ground up. Um, and and that's kind of exciting to see. It, it's uh, it's so much fun to see, and and I, I despair that you know that some of the big companies just aren't going to be able to make the change. And you know the world is always going to have the manipulators, 
um, and the manipulated. But with the democracy of information that happens with the Internet, I really do believe it's requiring a higher, higher levels of authenticity, and that requires uh, better storytelling, if only listening to your customer's story. There's no doubt about it. If if you your your book contains so much richness and it's it's always hard to boil the ocean, but but I'm going to going to try here. Um if you had just one piece of advice for people who, you know, listening to this podcast and, and I and I do hope you really you know, pick up Annette's book because it's it's fantastic. I mean, she's got a bunch of great books, The Story Factor and Whoever Tells the Best Story Wins out in its second edition here. Um if you just could give one piece of advice, Annette, on to, to folks saying, where do I start to to make my stories better? Where would you tell them to focus? I think start with uh, a story that I call the who I am or, or why I'm here story. Just mm-hmm. write down the qualities that you bring to the business relationship that earn you the right to influence these people. What is it about you um, that makes you different, that earns you the right and then there's four places to go look for a story, a time you shined when it really cost you to be that, a time you blew it when uh, uh, people can hear in your voice, that will never happen again, a mentor or a book or a movie. Work it up as a three-minute story, and the next time you make a presentation, tell it. Because once you have the experience of what, that's, what happens when you tell that story, then then you'll understand uh, that it's worth your time and investment, and you can move on from there. I, I so agree, I, and I love that. I, I think that, that why am I here story is so foundational to everything else you do. And, that's, and that tends to be, again, that, that one place where I think people shortchange the process. And it, it's really hard work excavating, getting to that story and getting past those layers. Um, and if it were easy, everybody would be doing it. But it's so worth it because, to your point, the results that I've seen when people really share and they've really done the work, you know it. When you hear that story, you know that they've done the self-searching and the introspection. They've really dug deep. Um, and, and, and I think part, you know part of that is is not worrying about who you're going to manipulate when you come up with a story. When when you do that, you'll find that that story is incredibly influential. But if you look for if you look for something that you know is going to achieve, uh, you know is going to manipulate this demographic to do that I think that you end up it's just embedded in the story you find that that's why you were looking for it yeah the the stories well said I think the stories that I've seen work the best are the ones that are a little bit raw you know they leave a little bit of yourself behind and give something uh, for people to hold on to and that may mean being a little bit raw about um Honesty, the honesty of why you're here may be a little bit vulnerable for you. And I think that's okay, and that's, and that's you know, where people need to go. It's where we need to go. If they just watch the Brené Brown TED Talk about vulnerability, you'll get that part. Yeah. Have you no seen question. it? I have, and I've seen it several times, and and I I love her, and I think she nailed it. I think when I, when I see that, I think about storytelling, and I think even Absolutely. for myself – even for myself, because as when I left corporate America, I mean, we were so bottled up, and there were things you didn't talk about as a corporate brand. And I thought, oh, this is horrible. We're all we're all emotionally armored up, and we're masked to the hilt, and nobody really can connect with our company because nobody knows who we are. We don't know who we are, and and that soul searching, you know, 
brands have to really know who they are. And people, entrepreneurs have to know why they're doing it. Their stories have to be so much bigger than their product. And I think I think your point is just spot on. Take the time to really know why you're here, who you are and why you're here. So, And can you believe like a half an hour almost went by? <laughs> well, it's been so much fun. It has been. And you're going to have to come back again because I always love talking love to you. It to. feels feels like time just, just goes by just way too fast. Now, Annette, where where's the best website to send people if they want more information from you? Well, my website is AnnetteSimmons.com. And, of course, um, the book, Whoever Tells the Best Story Wins, is now available on Amazon. And you can you might even be able to get it in bookstores. Who knows? It's a second edition. Absolutely. And it is a great read, everybody. And I read the first one and also The Story Factor. Um, great book. And I just wish you much success because this is the kind of stuff we need. We certainly need it in, in business storytelling. So, Annette, we're going to have to bring you on again because it's just too much fun having you on. Well, it's great talking to you. And anytime, you just let me know. And thanks for all the work you do, Kathy. Oh, thank you. Right back at you. All right, everybody. We're, we'll bring Annette back because she's just got great stuff. Do check out her books. Um, I think storytelling is such a rich thing today, and it, it just helps to do a lot of reading and to see what's out there, to see models of, of folks that are doing it right, to see the different types of stories, as Annette talks about, the vision stories, the value stories, the why am I here, the I know what you're thinking stories. And she goes through a bunch of different things in her book, so do check that out. Um, her Twitter handle is at the story factor. My Twitter handle is at Kathy Close Guest. And if you've got questions and comments, let me know, Kathy at KeepingItHuman.com. I love hearing from you. And I know storytelling is as important to you folks out there listening as it is to me, so thanks so much for that. I'm Kathy Close Guest, Keeping It Human, so you know what I'm going to say. You keep it human out there, too, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Take care. <laughs>